Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Lots of great ways to make money in real estate, and one we have our eye on is the new Opportunity Zones legislation. Today, we're going to take it into the real world, and we're going to meet a developer and syndicator that have put together an Opportunity Zone in the senior housing space. It's going to be good stuff right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gregg. Hey, Robert. A lot in the news and a lot on our show about Opportunity Zones. We've been talking about this at the last couple of syndication events. Uh, the one coming up, we're going to talk about it some more because it's a kind of a big deal. And we're not going to get into the nuts and bolts of Opportunity Zones today. If you're interested and you don't know what we're talking about, then go back and hear the couple of shows that we've done recently on this. But today, what we're going to do is focus on someone who is actually starting a project that is part of an Opportunity Zone fund. There's been so little information because we still don't have 100% clarity on every single point in the new law, but we're getting closer. And so there's a lot we've learned, and uh, you're going to meet a couple of gentlemen today that have taken the bull by the horns. And uh, we just thought rather than talk in theory about it, we meet some guys that are doing the thing. Yeah, well, you know, one thing that's really clear is it's generating a ton of excitement. There are huge funds that have raised hundreds of millions, in some cases, billions of dollars. So even though there's still some visibility or some clarity that needs to be given in some more specifics, it continues to roll out. But people clearly understand the opportunity and are positioning uh, to get involved in it. So when when the clarity comes, things should begin to move pretty quickly. Yeah, and we're seeing people really get interested in this area and there's timing involved and then there's trying to figure out the legal side and then, of course, the big tax side. So it's a lot of moving parts. You may have heard Lo Hornbuckle on our show before. He specializes in senior housing, and we've known Lo for a number of years. And he came to us and said, hey, I'm putting together this deal that just happens to be in an opportunity zone. He didn't start out by searching out an opportunity zone deal. Instead, they just discovered that their land was actually inside of an opportunity zone. So they started to pay attention to what they might do structuring a deal around that. So I think we're going to learn a ton because they're right in the middle of it. And really, all of the opportunity zones as of all of the opportunity zone deals as of the middle of 2019 are still in process. 
right? I mean, it takes time to do. We're just coming out of the gate, but it's a super exciting thing to watch. Yeah, it's really exciting. And the thing, as I, as I mentioned, is there's a lot of money that's beginning to move in the direction. And so you don't necessarily have to be a big money player. Uh, the point is, is that there's a wave of capital coming into different, very identifiable geographics. And when you see that, then you can begin to move in and capture that opportunity. The thing that I love about what, what Lowe's doing is that he didn't lead with that. It wasn't like he sought out, hey, I'm going to do an opportunity zone. Let me see what's inside of an opportunity zone that I can go do. But rather, he went out and said, where's a good place to do some business? What's a good niche to be in? How can I find a unique selling proposition and create a superior return for my investors? And he focused on that. And then, oh, yeah, bonus time. It happens to be in an opportunity zone. And so then you take a little bit more time to learn a little bit about how all that works. And I think, you know, ultimately, we're going to find out that it enhances the deal, uh, doesn't necessarily distract from it. But I think the word of caution for everybody is, especially when it comes to anything tax related, is you just need to be careful about picking an investment purely for the tax breaks and, and overlooking the real fundamentals of the deal. I think if the deal makes sense and then the tax breaks makes it better, then, then you're on to something. When we come back, you meet our friend Lowe Hornbuckle and his partner, Austin Good, today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Brad Sumrock. At this year's AIMACCON, you'll find out why apartments have been and continue to be the hottest sector for real estate investing and why more and more people are moving their money out of Wall Street into real estate, specifically apartment buildings. Plus, with the new tax laws, learn how owning and investing in apartments are even more attractive right now in 2019. Learn from some of the best speakers and investors in the country. Gain access to industry experts and service providers from all over the USA that can help you earn more money and pay less taxes. Meet and network with hundreds of other apartment investors and other like-minded individuals. So whether you are new to investing or already an experienced apartment owner that wants to go bigger and faster, this conference is definitely for you. I'll see you there. Join Robert Kiyosaki, Harry Dent, Tom Wheelwright, the apartment king, Brad Sumrock, and the real estate guys at the second annual Apartment Investor Mastery National Conference. It takes place Saturday, August 10th in Dallas, Texas. For all the details, send an email to aimnatcon, that's A-I-M-N-A-T-C-O-N, at realestateguysradio.com. Aimnatcon at realestateguysradio.com. Real Estate Guys listeners, are you tired of losing real estate deals due to financing issues? Have you had enough of waiting on banks, lenders, and investor groups to fund new projects? What if there were a way to eliminate all the hassle and invest in real estate on your own terms? I'm here to tell you there is. Patrick Donahoe here from Paradigm Life. I'm an Investopedia top 100 most influential financial advisor, and I recently wrote a best-selling book about the financial strategy that changed my entire investment model, and the one that could change yours. To get a copy of my book for free and learn how you can maximize your real estate portfolio by acting as your own bank, send an email to mybank at realestateguysradio.com. Don't make another real estate deal without reading my book first. Email mybank at realestateguysradio.com now to get your copy for free. 
Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're talking today about a couple of cool things. First of all, the demographic of senior housing. Why that makes a bunch of sense. And then we're going to segue into a case study in Opportunity Zones. Let's welcome back to the program, Lowell Hornbuckle. How are you, Lowell? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Good to see you. And you brought your partner, Austin Good. Hello, Austin. Welcome Hello. to the show. Hello. Great to have you here. We'll talk about what your your uh, partnership is in a second. But Lo, let's start with uh, this whole silver tsunami we always talk about. And I know that you've been watching this space a long time, active in senior housing and assisted living. Let's talk about kind of where the market is, but also where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, when I think about the uh, business, I, I very rarely like to talk about the silver tsunami and the baby boomers because from an assisted living point of view, they're so far away from interacting with the product. Right. So our average client is 87 years old. And, Not a baby boomer. Right. The oldest baby boomer is like, what, 75, 76. So uh-huh. we've got a little time before they start interacting with the product. So a lot of times when people talk about senior housing, they're really talking about active adult communities, independent living and assisted living and dementia care and skilled nursing all under the same umbrella. Sure. And it can be very uh, dangerous because if you read like a Wall Street Journal article, um, it might talk about senior housing as all one asset class. But the type of person that wants to you know, live with people that are 55 and up and play golf and tennis with their friends is totally different than the person that may not be able to walk. Yeah. And so uh, you have to kind of break those groups apart to really have a good conversation. So from our perspective, we're really focused on the average person who's 87, 88 right now. The business is great now. But in the future, when these demographic changes, the silver tsunami comes that you're talking about, it's going to be even more massive. And so right now, the industry is kind of getting ready for those changes. And so I always try to make a bet if I can make it through a show without mentioning the baby boomers. But this time, obviously, <laughs> I, I failed miserably. It's the, the first thing we talk about. But I do think it's important to kind of pause that when it comes to assisted living dementia care, skilled nursing, because they're really not going to interact with the product for quite some time. Well, it's one of these paradigms that you have to understand. And I think people get a big demographic shift and real estate investors are interested in getting ahead of that wave. This is ahead of it for sure. Now, quickly, you know, folks have have met you on the program before, but if they haven't, uh, just Give us your background and what you've done so far in this space. Yeah, so we started uh, Sage Oak Assisted Living and Memory Care in 2015. And it's basically a boutique assisted living and memory care company. Uh, What we do is we focus on small facilities um, that are basically designed to make people feel more comfortable in a home-like environment. Right. So um, most people, when they think of assisted living, they picture a nursing home, they picture a big 100-bed, 200-bed facility, feels a little like communist Russia at times. (laughs) Um, This is much different. These these are light, airy homes designed for eight people, 10 people, 16 people. So it's much more intimate, family-like setting. So we have five of those locations currently in Dallas. And we've always kind of had a bigger vision that to have multiple homes on one campus was the direction we wanted to head in. So essentially, the Dallas uh, five care homes have really been a proof of concept for us to show, hey, we can successfully operate, fill, keep clients very happy, take good care of people with the intention of moving on to bigger projects, which are raw land development, turning those into uh, planned care home communities. Well, it's a distinction because many of the times people think about this product, they're thinking about a big three-story building with a couple hundred residents. And yet you're talking about developing a good number of beds, but not all in one building instead in a campus. So it feels more like home. Yeah. If you think about a residential neighborhood, you drive up and there's houses, you know, a 
all independent addresses and different owners a lot of times. This is the same thing. These are gonna be independently addressed, independently licensed facilities, but instead of being 3,000 square feet homes that contain families, maybe they're 9,000 square feet homes designed for 16 seniors uh, purposely built. So uh, Texas and Louisiana have fairly similar uh, licensure rules. So they both allow you to do up to 16 people in uh, a licensed facility before the rules start to change. So we're able to kind of create some economies of scale because we're designing a project both in Louisiana and in Texas, and a lot of the architectural design work is all applicable. Um, and so right now we've got two projects going, um, one that has an 80-bed facility, which is five 16-bed homes, yep. a mix of assisted living, what we call luxury assisted living, and then a dementia care or memory care. Uh, taking care of people that have cognitive impairment. And then in Denton, Texas, just north of here, um, we have a six 16-bed project, so a total of 96 beds, a mix of assisted living, luxury assisted living, and then that dementia care component as well. And before we talk about that, because that's really going to be our case study for today, um, let's also talk about some of the trends. You put out a report that uh, listeners will be able to get a copy of if they'd like uh, when we're done here, but uh, just hit some of the high notes because this, like any industry is changing. Yeah, uh, it's changing. And what's interesting about this industry is, is that it doesn't change quickly. Um, some industries, you know, if you think about the hotel business in the last 10 years, how much it's changed with all these disruptors kind of coming into, into play. You think about the taxi cab business and the disruptors and just technology's impact on change. Older folks and operators of assisted living and skilled nursing aren't really interacting with technology in the same way. So this industry moves kind of slowly. So stuff that might take a year or two in other industries might take 10 in this industry. And what we're starting to see is people are starting to realize that um, the mentality in the past of if you build it, they will come really isn't true. You have to offer a unique product. And there's also a lot of thought out there that when the baby boomers, when the silver tsunami comes, they're going to demand things that their predecessors didn't. Yeah. And so we feel like the big things that are happening in this industry are is that people are going to want smaller, more intimate environments that they can be around people that are like-minded in some way. And so if you think about all the various different ways that you could, you could identify with somebody, you could like the same music as them. You could maybe have the same medical condition. So you could be in a house with 15 other people that had diabetes and everybody cooked and everything was kind of tailored toward that. You know, obviously it could be focused around dementia. It could be fo focused around ethnicity. You could say, hey, I want to hang out with 15 other people that are Korean and we're going to have a Korean chef and the newspaper is going to be in Korean and all the various different components of that. Now, obviously, as an operator, you would never exclude anybody for any reason, but you would offer a, a house that had things that they were interested in. And so the really cool thing about this industry is, is that if you build these 100-bed or 200-bed facilities, you have to make a choice about how you're going to serve 100 or 200 people. When you build a campus like ours, you can have individual houses that change over time. So you at some point could say, you know what, house three, we're going to make that house kosher. And we're going to tailor, we're going to tailor uh, our offerings to folks that want to eat kosher meals. And so you can imagine the possibilities are endless. It's really all about your positioning in the marketplace with the people that are influential. So if you and a, a rabbi have a great relationship, then you might do a kosher house. If you end up having a connection at the Parkinsonian Society, then you could offer a house that tailors to somebody that has Parkinson's. So I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but the point I'd like to make is it allows you to essentially operate inside any niche that you feel like the market is lacking. 
Um, even something as simple that we see a lot of is there are a lot of younger people that need assistance that don't want to be around 60 or 70 or 80 year olds. So you could have a house that, that tailors to people that maybe are younger and have been in a car accident or whatever the case may be. So the point is there's all these different people need assistance. And so the, the market's starting to realize that individualization and personalization is way more important than just kind of stacking people as many as you can in a three or four story building and saying, we're going to take care of you and you're just, you're just going to like it. And that's a big part of what's going on in the industry is that change and that, that feel of smaller is much more intimate. Before we're done, we'll tell you how you can get a hand on Lowe's report to talk about uh, some of the other trends as well. Uh, but Austin, you're from the construction and development side, and this is kind of a unique property, if you will. And before we really even get into the whole Opportunity Zone thing, which is fascinating, talk about maybe some of the ways you have to approach a project like this, because you can't look around and find a dozen of these campuses already. Uh, and yet you've got a, a background in, in single family and so forth. So right. how do you merge that with this type of product? So it's actually really unique, Robert. And actually, uh, we felt like I was probably one of the best fits for this because I'm a single family build to rent developer. Yep. And so that's essentially what we're doing is we're building uh, campuses of these single family buildings. And we want it to look less commercial and, and more residential. And that's my forte. Yeah. So that's basically why we felt like this was such a good fit. And a lot of times these assisted living facilities are taking an existing house and retrofitting it so that it works. But starting from the ground up has to give you some advantages. It does give you a lot of advantages. And, and actually, when you retrofit houses, a lot of times you approach some of the same costs anyways, um, or at least with some of these inst more institutional ones. We've looked at um, actually uh, rehabbing and, and bringing those back, but the costs are um, almost the same as, as going ground up in a lot of cases. But either way, you can control the process. You can control the experience that you, the end users have at the very end because, I mean, we look at best practices for design. I mean, we, we get really in the weeds with exactly what this is going to look like so that we can deliver, you know, a great product. Well, especially because it's not just a one-off. You've got visions to do this in lots of places. So uh, this is kind of the early stage. Very exciting about that. Um, now let's overlay on top of that the idea that uh, we've been talking for the last you know, many months about Opportunity Zones and what a great chance that is for folks who maybe even haven't invested before in this kind of a thing to do so. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on the structure of that. If you're interested, go back. We've got a couple of shows in the archives or send an email to opportunityzones at realestateguysradio.com and you get your mind around it. But uh, talk about your, your we'll do a case study here of this project you're doing in an opportunity zone and how that's working. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually got this project before it, um, we knew it was in an opportunity zone, okay. which is kind of perfect, really, because what, what you see is a lot of people going into deals that aren't so great. Uh, just because of this opportunity zone and it's the buzzword and everybody's talking about They're it. They're letting the tail wag the dog. Exactly. They're, right, they're going in for the wrong reason. Bingo. So we, we actually were fortunate enough to have this little sliver of Ditton, which is where this is located, be in the opportunity zone. So now we've kind of actually had to go back and, and rework our, our model because uh, initially I'm not sure that we were looking at a 10-year hold period, although we, we may have been with, with the cash out and all of that. Um, so we were waiting on the latest tranche of guidelines before we could finish modeling. We didn't know if we could take a cash out refi, things of that nature. So um, I think they just firmed that up about a month ago. Um, so it's been an experience going in and having to basically kind of start over on the model. But, you know, we're really fortunate that it, 
that it's located there and we're learning quite a bit about this um, Opportunity Zones. Well, it's a great example of where the opportunity itself, independent of the tax treatment of the Opportunity Zone, makes right. sense. That's why you guys are doing it. Right. Now, if you can layer on top a chance for investors who have these gains to be able to invest in this and, and make some money tax-free, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, and I think the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is if you think about the Opportunity Zone, it doesn't specify what type of asset class you have to be. It could be any real estate transaction. It could also be a business. There's other different ways you can do it. And the reason why we really like a project like this is because we think senior housing is a very natural companion with the Opportunity Zone structure for a lot of reasons. Number one, if you think about um, Opportunity Zones either being either lower income or rural areas, then it does sort of limit what types of things you can put there successfully. You probably aren't going to put a luxury hotel in a low income area. Um, you probably you may be able to put maybe a destination hotel in a, in a rural area, perhaps, but there's going to be some limitations on the types of asset classes you can successfully execute there. And what's great about um, senior housing or assisted living and dementia care in particular is if you create a reputation of this is a place to go for care, then people may not mind driving extra five or seven or ten minutes because the outcomes are better at your location. And so what's really fascinating about this project is we're about seven to 10 minutes away from basically all the luxury assisted living facilities in the Denton area. So all of the competition is just a few minutes away. So it's not a very difficult pitch for us to say, hey, drive an extra few minutes instead of being in a 50, 60, 70 bed facility, you can be in a 16 bed purpose-built house, much smaller, much more intimate, better caregiver ratio. So we can kind of sell that and it doesn't feel forced. Well, for the resident and their families, the opportunity zone part doesn't even matter, right? This is really about the campus you're creating. But for the investor, it does. And so that's what our job is, right, is to figure out as syndicators, as real estate investors, how can we put together elements uh, to make it profitable? And that sounds like uh, this is a, a great way to kind of double dip. Absolutely. And the other thing that, it, you know, if you talk to 100 CEOs that are in the assisted living or uh, skilled nursing space or dementia care space, the number one problem they're going to talk about is access to good caregivers. Yep. And so being in an opportunity zone allows us to have access to both lower income areas and rural areas that basically allow us to have access to a workforce that may be too far away to go to other facilities. Maybe they're not close enough to transportation or maybe they don't want to commute that far. And so it really allows us to both solve some of the biggest challenges. We get more land to build exactly what we want to build. And we also have the opportunity to have a workforce readily available nearby. And, you know, the nice thing about Opportunity Zones that people don't really talk about a lot is it's a great opportunity for us to basically help change the landscape of these rural and lower income areas. Yeah, that's such a good point because that's really the heart of the Opportunity Zone Act. The the whole thing is based on putting private capital to work in areas that need help. And this is an area where you make an impact regardless of the tax benefit, but if that brings the capital then why not? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We're talking about uh, senior housing specifically inside of an opportunity zone. We'll be back with Austin and Lowe in a minute. Plus, we'll play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. 
The Real Estate Guys are throwing a party and you're invited. Join us at the New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th. Now in its 45th year, it's the nation's longest-running investment conference and features some of the biggest names in economics and investing, including Doug Casey, Dennis Gartman, Rick Rule, and Peter Schiff. The Real Estate Guys are speaking in multiple sessions, attending lots of others, and we're hosting a hospitality suite one of the evenings for our friends and listeners, including some VIPs for you to mingle with. So make plans today to join the Real Estate Guys at the New Orleans Investment Conference. With everything going on in the world, no serious investor can afford to miss it. For all the details, send an email to neworleans at realestateguysradio.com, and it will tell you how to get upgraded tickets and join the party. That's neworleans at realestateguysradio.com. And we'll see you in Nolens. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Aaron Katusa, the chairman of Katusa Research. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you've ever wanted to do big deals using other people's money, then come on out to the secrets of successful syndication. That happens in September in Dallas, Texas. And all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking with Low Hornbuckle and Austin Good about uh, their project and the Opportunity Zone Fund, senior housing, all of that. Before we get back to our interview with them, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia. That's your chance to win a prize. By knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, the question is something you do with real estate. In fact, it has something you do with the senior topic. And when you hear the question and think you know the answer, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address. Because if you're the winner, we're going to get you a copy of Whatever You Are, Be a Good One. It's a cool little book of quotes that are illustrated by its author, Lisa Congdon. That could be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week on the show, we had Dave Zook from Lancaster and asked this. The Lancaster Central Market is the nation's oldest continuously operating farmer's market. When did it start? Well, the answer is back in 1731. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. We're talking about senior housing. Which country on earth has the most people over 100 years old? You have all the places uh, on earth. Which country has the most 100-year-old folks and older, if you know, or just want to guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the trivia question, and your mailing address. If you're the winner, you're going to get whatever you are. Be a good one. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking with Lowell Hornbuckle and Austin Good about their amazing project. Now, you guys uh, had this land figured out and what you wanted to build. Then you discover it's in an opportunity zone. That's a lot to go figure out. So let's kind of go through the genesis of the project. How much land is it? Uh, we've got 20 acres, about 12 usable. Okay. On this uh, t- particular piece, we're only using about uh, seven acres for, for what we need. Yep. We have a little commercial piece that we haven't decided 
uh, what we're going to do with. But this project is on about six to seven acres. So you like the market. The market's in the greater DFW MSA in Denton, just outside. And you're just a little bit outside of that if you're in an area that's a few minutes away from everything else. So a lot of land. I'm guessing there's going to be the, you know, the extra unusable land is going to be great for views and that sure. kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, to create more of like a resort-like like feel. Yeah. Now, uh, we're we're not tertiary out there. I mean, we're, we're definitely secondary. Denton's no small market. Right. I mean, in comparison to DFW, uh, the greater DFW, it is smaller. But it alone, I feel like, has enough uh, market share to give. And, you know, if we can attract and pull some people from Frisco and some of the other uh, nearby places, and that'll just be a bonus. Well, if you think about it, if I'm going to put mom or dad somewhere, it doesn't have to be five minutes from my house. It has to be in a place that they're going to really enjoy that I can get to in a reasonable amount of time. So if I lived in Fort Worth or in Dallas or anywhere, this would be within the realm of possibility. I'd probably go shopping for it. If you guys are offering something that's more unique and is going to keep you know, mom or dad or grandma happier, then why wouldn't I drive that little extra bit? So now timing wise, let's talk about where you're at. Because when you take a project on like this, it's not a typical use. What does it uh, take in terms of just getting the approvals, the entitlements, the permits and all that part? Great question. So um, in in Denton, we're actually fortunate um, that the zoning that we were under does allow this by right. So we don't have to go in for a a specific use permit. Um, Typically, you do have to go in for a specific use permit. Um, so we actually have a meeting tomorrow with the city to go over some some of their first comments they made after our submittal. So timeline-wise, uh, you know, best case scenario, we're probably six months away from from breaking ground. Realistically, nine months. I'm, I've dealt with the city of Denton multiple times, and um, they, they don't really do anything very quickly. Most cities don't, but they're they're still pretty pretty bad. To put a positive spin on there, we consider the city of Denton to be a very thorough partner, a very yes, thorough absolutely. partner, just making sure that we're doing everything correctly. Yes. So a very is, thorough partner. Which is we actually yeah, great when you're raising capital, Yes, right? If you've got other people's money in a deal, you want to make sure that everybody is being as thorough as, as necessary. So appreciate that perspective, Lo. But now let's talk about the timeline in terms of you've got capital raise, you've got a bank loan. What's the what's the capital stack look like? What's the structure on this deal? Yeah, so the deal total, um, you know, we're still finalizing the the last stages of the model, but let's just say the project's going to cost approximately seventeen million. Um, we'll probably have somewhere around six and a half million will be in the form of equity, yep. and then the remainder, uh, the remaining ten and a half, would be in a sort of a bank loan format. Um, it'll be a construction loan, uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven year term. And then um, it'll be probably, you know, interest only for the first couple of years, convert over to a permanent loan. And then our plan is uh, get the project stabilized. I think the last time we looked at our model, we stabilized in about 34 months, 35 months from uh, when construction starts. And uh, no investor left behind. Stabilization in a development project just means it takes a while before you get it up and operating at a level that makes sense and an occupancy that makes sense. Absolutely. And then once we get that key metrics hit, um, we go back to uh, the lender uh, and basically say, hey, we'd like to refinance this project based on the fact that we've added all this value and this new business that's in place. And then essentially at that point, try to take all the investor capital, uh, return it back to the investors and take it off the table and start operating in that infinite return space. You know, that's an exciting opportunity because originally when Opportunity Zone came out, there was a lot of questions about the ability to return investor capital through uh, debt, which is a very 
typical and convenient strategy in most development projects. Especially in a tax-favored investment. Right. You're wondering what is that going to look like, even though typically that's not a taxable event. This was definitely a concern. It was. And uh, so it caused us to kind of wait. So we essentially could have started the process a little sooner had this not been an Opportunity Zone deal. But Austin and I felt very strongly that there were quite a few people, some lawyers, some project managers that were making assumptions about what they thought the Treasury Department was going to rule about on these rules. And so we decided to hang back and wait and just get full clarification because the last thing we want to do as a deal sponsor is is go off an assumption when if we just would have waited three months, we would have had the answer. And so we've been kind of patiently waiting while, you know, through the government shutdown and all the various things kind of happening. And we got clarification that you can, in fact, um, use debt um, in most cases to return investor capital. So essentially, you can have a project that you defer your capital gains on. And again, that's a different show. You still get all the advantages of real estate like bonus depreciation. And now you can get your capital back. It's a really, really powerful tool. And, you know, for people that are concerned about taxes and are wanting to maximize their return, um, it's a great opportunity, pun intended, to essentially allow you to uh, make quite a bit better return on a post-tax basis. And it's also worth noting that we're not only accepting capital gains. Uh, so you don't have to have capital gains in order to invest. Um, there's going to be different classes of members, and it'll those that are non-op zone will be uh, treated a little bit differently than op zone. Uh, but for the most part, it'll be the same. It's just the tax treatment. Yeah, and that's a good point that, that Austin brings up is that um, just because it's Opportunity Zone and because it's designed for people that may have these big capital gain events, frankly, in our network, we may not have that many people that's applicable to. So we'll have some people that that applies to, but we'll also have a separate class of member. Uh, our typical deal will have two classes of member. They'll be basically the investor and then they'll be the people that are responsible for the deal, the deal sponsor. Well, this one will have a third class. You'll essentially have a deal sponsor class, which would be us. You'll have an opportunity zone investor class and you'll have a non-opportunity zone investor class. And the reason we want to do that is because while we can't really think of any off the top of our head, there may be some times or decisions that we would make that would be different for the different class of investors. So if we separate them out and they sort of operate a little differently than if something key happens in year five, we're able to ensure that we're basically thinking of both investors needs simultaneously. And so we think it's really important to have that third class of investor just to ensure that you don't dump everybody into the same category when in fact their needs may be very different and their goals may be very different. Because ultimately, if I'm a non-op zone investor, I'm not really concerned about the other three or four people that invested in the deal that are worried about their capital gain event. I'm worried about my, my investment and what it's going to be doing. And so this allows us to have some flexibility in the future should we ever need to have a fork in the road between the two investor classes. Well, one example of that is actually in 2026, op zone investors are going to actually have to pay up the original capital gains that they're deferring. Now, yeah. that'll be 85%, assuming they got involved in 2019, it'll be 80, um, it'll be 90% if they miss um, this year. But, you know, having the capital from a refi to actually help pay these guys capital gains, because I know they're going to, you know, investors, they're going to forget, you know, seven years down the line, they're going to have a big tax bill. So we may choose to take refi proceeds and allocate it towards the capital gain events for these fellas versus the other guys who um, are non-op zone, which we could just then distribute. So that's a good example of, how, of why we 
are treating them differently. That's very prudent. Who knows, right, what might happen. And the fact that one of the criticisms, if you will, of the Opportunity Zone legislature is that you're kind of forcing a longer-term investment. And yet that's the very purpose of it, right. right? We're not going to just quick get in and get out. It really is to develop these areas. And this typically could be a long-term buy and hold, but as the sponsors, you got to have some flexibility. So, Lo, how much of the Opportunity Zone part of it is interesting to your investor group? Well, I think that there's a lot of interest um, just because, I mean, I, I think it's probably the hottest conversation happening in, in commercial real estate. Yep. I think that, as I mentioned before, in, in, a, in senior housing um, with kind of you know, big cash flows and longer hold times. Um, it's just a natural marry. And so we have a lot of people that are interested. I wouldn't be totally surprised if we maybe only have a small percentage, maybe 25% or 30% are actually opportunity zone investors based on our current network. But just to have those new people kind of come into the fold is fascinating. Um, you know, we've kind of experienced, there's a, a very popular website that you can basically just list that you have an Opportunity Zone deal. You don't put a lot of details. You just kind of put some basic information. And we've started to see, you know, consistent, you know, once a week, someone will email us and say, I'm interested to learn more about your project simply because it's an Opportunity Zone. And we may have had no way to, to get that person's attention in the past. And so it's really a great opportunity um, for us to um, essentially attract a different type of investor, a different kind of investor. Um, you're starting to see a lot of bigger institutional players say, hey, we have a massive capital gain event. We're interested in this space. And so for us, it's really just kind of opening up conversations that we maybe wouldn't have had in the past. I've always kind of said that you're never really raising money for the deal you have now. You're really raising money for the next deal. So a lot of these conversations that we're getting in now may not even be applicable to our current project, but they will allow us to get into relationships and conversations with potential investors, maybe for the next project. Hey, if they want to invest with this one, that's great. But they may want to establish a little bit more of a relationship. Maybe their, their opportunity zone timeline doesn't allow um, them to invest in this project because, as you know, there are some very clear cutoff rules. They've got to invest their gain within 180 days. Right. So if they did a transaction at the beginning of the year, we're about to pass that. And that really doesn't jive with the timeline of our project. And so we just have those conversations. They go on the they go on the old uh, CRM list. They go on the customer management list. And then, you know, we stay in touch with them and maybe the next project will make sense. Well, and this is a way for you guys to cut your teeth on the whole Opportunity Zone thing, deal with those types of investors who may be very different. You know, we're used to the folks who are passively investing in real estate syndications and they've got their mind around it. They know what they're after. Often it takes time to get to know them, but once you do, they're they're set, they're good. They know the product, they know the sponsor. But a lot of the folks were anticipating coming into these types of investments from an opportunity zone standpoint, their inflated gains aren't in real estate. It's in something else. And maybe the reason they haven't sold their inflated stock is just because of the tax hit. All of a sudden, they can defer which is great. They can reduce, which is great on their tax. And then the part they invest with you guys is truly tax-free. Very rarely can we say tax-free. Obviously, check with your tax professional. But that's another part is that this is new. And most CPAs are aware, but very few have. No one's prepared a return yet with an Opportunity Zone investment. Right, right. That hasn't happened yet. So well, let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are on the cutting edge, uh, cutting edge of it. Any, uh, anything you're learning so far that uh, has been interesting to you about the project or about working with Opportunity Zone? Well, I feel like what, what you were saying about the timing, especially stock investors. I mean, think about where we are at 
with the stock market. I mean, if there isn't a better time, in my opinion, to, to get out of stock and get into something else um, without, you know, with deferring the capital gains, it's not a better time than right now, in my opinion. Well, and, 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 he, and Austin raises a good point. Um, you know, we've spent some time together around some, some very important thinkers in economic terms. And one of the sort of phrases we hear all the time is the, the all everything bubble, right. which is essentially that almost every asset class is inflated in some way. I think that assisted living, um, dementia care, skilled nursing, the senior housing umbrella is one of the few places where there's actually pretty decent yield. And so because the demographic changes are a little ways in the future, um, it's not quite hit everyone's radar just yet. Yeah. People know that it's coming, but you know what? Let's not invest in, in 2019. Let's kick the can down the road and let's look at 2029 or 2030, some of these bigger players. And so we really feel like our industry has opportunity to grow. And we feel like there's a lot of other asset classes out there where the opposite is true. And so we've had so much cap rate compression, which essentially just means things are selling for really higher prices in relation to their income. And that really hasn't happened a lot in senior housing specifically. So the national average for a senior housing deal uh, in 2018 was an 8% cap rate. And most apartment investors, if they're listening in their car, might have just crashed because they would <laughs> be crazy. very excited about- Did you say 8%? Yeah. yeah. They'd be very excited about that. Now, if it's, we're talking the 1970s, you probably wouldn't look at that deal. So the reality is, is that all these asset classes out there from stocks to crypto to art um, to other uh, forms of real estate have just seen massive, massive gains in prices and not necessarily massive gains in, in income related to those assets. So this is just a great opportunity to flip a gain into another asset class that has growth potential. And as you mentioned, the back end, the gain from the new investment uh, looks like it could be tax-free for most investors. And so it's a really, really powerful way to take money that's not working for you the same way it used to be and put it in a new asset class, help people along the way. And not to mention, uh, when you're helping people, you're helping uh, people that have assisted living needs, you're helping older folks, you're helping people that have been in car accidents or suffering from cognitive impairment, but we're also helping rebuild those rural, lower income communities. So you're helping people all across the spectrum and you're making more money in the process and saving taxes. Where do I sign up? Sounds pretty good. I think there's even one more point. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show on market cycles and understanding where we are in the cycle. And uh, we're absent crystal ball. But if we all think that we're closer to the top than we have been, right, which is kind of goes without saying, this is one of the places that performs well in a downturn because it's a way to market to the affluent. And the affluent isn't necessarily the resident, it's their family. And even if the economy isn't good, they're going to want to make sure they have good health care for their child or their parent or their grandparent. And this is how you tap into the affluent market in uh, in a really unique way. Absolutely. I think it's it's kind of the it's kind of a convergence of two things. Um, in a downturn, um, renting to the affluent obviously has its advantages because they typically fare the best in, in an economic downturn. But the second piece is that healthcare industries do typically well in recessions because people are going to need care whether the economy is up, down, or sideways. And so if you're prioritizing a list of things you want to take care of, kicking mom out of her nice assisted living facility and taking her to a crappy one, you know, by comparison, <laughs> is probably not real high on your priorities list. You right. might downsize the car. You might tell the, the college age kid, hey, you know what? You need to go get a scholarship, buddy, because times are a little tight. So 
on the priorities list, you're gonna take care of mom or dad, you're gonna take care of your spouse. And we see that kind of time and time again, that that's something you're gonna prioritize. And then lastly, a lot of the money that's used to pay for um, assisted living or dementia care is they sell a house and they create this pool of money that they then spend down over the course of their care needs. And so these are not people that are invested in the stock market or invested in things that are likely to lose huge amounts of value. So because we feel like we're investing in areas where housing is stable, I don't think anybody thinks there's going to be a big, crazy housing uh, price shock in Dallas. We're going to see maybe a slowdown of gains or some small losses, but people selling their houses to pay for care are always going to have the money to do so. And it's going to be a top priority because no one's going to choose not to take care of themselves just because their stock portfolio changed 15%. So we feel like it's a great opportunity in, in tough economic times as well. All right. Good stuff. Well, my gosh, we appreciate uh, you guys taking the time to share with us and wish you great success in the project. Austin Lowe, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. There's Austin Good, Lowe Hornbuckle. When we come back, we'll tell you how you can get Lowe's report on senior housing. Plus, we'll have some more thoughts. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. for more real estate investing ideas, here's two steps you can take today. First, go to realestateguysradio.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get access to a continuous feed of thought-provoking commentary specifically for real estate investors while also focusing on broader picture economics. Then, once you're at our site, look for the Resources tab where you'll find our amazing collection of special reports. Browse dozens of white papers, webinars, and market reports and request the ones that appeal to you. What are you waiting for? Head to realestateguysradio.com to implement education for effective action. Hey, this is Gene from the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Making money, cash flow, is important. Doing it for the right reasons with a heart is even more important. If you'd like to learn more about turning a single family home into a cash flow machine, earning 5, 10, 15,000 net or more per month, well, I'd like to share that with you. Our motto is do good and do well. There is a silver tsunami of seniors coming and you have a huge opportunity. Take advantage of it. To gain access to an informational webinar presented by certified financial planner and real estate entrepreneur Gene Garino and discover how you can turn a nice home in a nice neighborhood into a cash flow machine, send an email to ALF, A-L-F, at realestateguysradio.com. That's A-L-F at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best. They're working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio show. Thanks for tuning into the program. It's not too early to get on the advanced waiting list for the 2020 Investor Summit at Sea. It'll be here before you know it, and your opportunity to sign up will be here before you know it. But you got to get on the advanced notice list first. Do that at realestateguysradio.com under the button that says summit at sea great to hear from low and austin yeah i you know i just appreciate low hornbuckle so much he's just a pragmatic guy but he's strategic you know you listen to him talk and he thinks things through he approaches it like a business you hear all the time people need to approach their real estate investing like a business and low's a guy that just really does that and we didn't get a chance to get a lot into his background and the kind of the path that he took in developing himself, but it was also a very pragmatic, strategic approach to just personal development, developing himself as an investor, uh, defining the niche that he wanted to be in, exploring it, getting well-connected. 
uh, then picking a sub-niche within that niche, becoming the expert, kind of the go-to guy, aligning himself with people like Austin, who are experts at what they do. Uh, you can just hear in his voice and the way he talks that that he he's a thoughtful businessman. And I really appreciate that about him. In fact, I learn something from him uh, every time he talks. You know, he's both confident and humble, which is kind of a cool combination and and fairly rare in the real estate world. But yeah, great, great stuff. Very excited about the fact that they've been able to embrace this Opportunity Zone fund idea and bring along investors for whom that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's still early, but we'll be keeping our eye on that space because it's going to be great. Well, I really liked the, you know, when he talked about realizing it was in an Opportunity Zone and then slowing down to really get the lay of the land and get an authoritative answer instead of getting too far out ahead of himself. Uh, and so that's a degree of self-control that you have to have in business because sometimes you get a little bit of an inkling of something you can go do and you go do it. But you could hear in his description of the circumstance that he, you know, as a syndicator, he said, it's important that you don't get, you know, too far ahead. You've got you've to make sure you really know what you're doing. And he took the time to do that. And I think that whether you're investing your own money or somebody else's money or however you're approaching it, again, that's just a good common sense approach. So it's great to be opportunity minded. It's great to be action oriented. It's great to charge off and go make things happen. You have to do that because if you don't make things happen, nothing happens. But at the same time, it's also important to stay within yourself. It's important to understand when you need to double check something, when you need to get a second opinion, when you need to bring in an expert. You talked earlier, Robert, about his humility. And I think every successful person that I've ever met who's truly successful is actually humble and curious. They assume that you have something to teach them and they look for it and they ask questions and they listen. And usually everybody has something they can add to somebody else. And so people that you know are willing to ask those questions and explore in conversation with people can really learn some things. And so I think that those are great lessons, whether you're interested in this particular space or not as an investor, just listening to the way Lil goes about his business is, is a great way to pick up some things that you can learn in adapting to your own style in terms of approaching your investing. I think it's helpful for folks who are thinking about maybe starting up an Opportunity Zone fund, but also for people who are thinking, well, maybe that's a place I could invest. I think they made the case for both the senior housing space as well as Opportunity Zones. So stay tuned. We'll bring you more of these real world examples. We'd love to get out there and share what's actually working for folks. So big thanks to Lowe and Austin for sharing that with us today. If you're interested in finding out more about senior your housing. To get a copy of Lowe's report, just send an email to senior at realestateguysradio.com, senior at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, next week, we're super excited. We are flying off to another great city, and we're going to meet a good friend of ours, been around the Real Estate Guys for a long time. Terry Kerr will be with us. You know, he's one of the mainstays in Memphis, Tennessee, which has been a super strong market. Next week, we'll get an update on Memphis, but we'll also find out about the new market that they're going to be adding, which is going to be good news because one of the things that uh, Terry's had a hard time doing is keeping up with inventory demand. Yeah, it's always good to check in with Terry Kerr, another guy, pragmatic business guy, strategic thinker, pays attention to details, humble guy, but very driven. Can't wait to talk with him. Yep, it's going to be great. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Guys. We'll see you next week. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. 
Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.